Testing, testing, one, two, three. We are live, Mr. Andy hey. Rockfall. We did it, finally. We did it, three years of the making. <laughs> we got doing? there eventually. Good, how you doing? Yeah, very good, mate. Yeah, it's good to be in California again. I just did a few days in LA and uh, great to be down San Diego way. So yeah, it's cool, it's good. Loving life right now. And we've been riding. How's that feel? Ah, that was scary. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was different. I mean, I think as I was, I was saying to you at the time, the I realized that once I had to go of your bike, Right, yeah. um, I really enjoyed it. Um, you was on a mid-score, I'll, I'll explain for the, for the listeners, you're on a mid-score Haro, I think I'd yeah. say that was probably about a 2000 and, I don't know. I think it's 2000. Yeah, what is it? Actually 204 even. Okay, it's kind of Jamie Staff era. But anyway, he, Andy got one of those and his tires, I think he had about 20 pounds in each tire. <laughs> I was trying to explain to you that we pumped the tires up a little bit more, but you still rode great. You know, he said yeah. he showed up at the pump track. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, you never forget. I mean, I think I, I think the key to me riding again really is to find a bike that I enjoy riding. And I think, you know, that's why riding yours was such a revelation. Yeah, my you bike's know, set up better. kind of yeah. not normal to most people, you know. So yeah. I think you yeah, get a nice up-to-date bike set it up the way you like it and you even said earlier you still like a front brake don't you yeah i mean that, that, that i find that difficult now I always roll with a front brake but i think also the thing that freaks me out is like concrete corners right and yeah. like tarmac corners that still freaks me out I can't, i'll never get used to that right you yeah, know no i'm, I'm you know i'm kind of i understand why they do it now you know for the the um, definitely for the pump tracks it's good because it rains and you can ride straight away but even the the bmx racetracks a lot of the uh, turns at least uh, asphalt, you know, or concrete, as we know. Um, I mean, I, I understand the development. You know, I, mm. I totally understand that, and I think it's it's interesting. Um, but I just think that it's so bloody dangerous yeah. and different well when and you get that's why I'm glad I'm not racing at the high level now because when you do crash you get ripped to, you know so you yeah, see, you see yeah, pictures yeah. of these kids when they crash they get shredded you know so well I saw a video the other day that somebody had done a compilation of all the crashes on those tracks yeah. and honestly it terrified me so right. I mean it's uh, I mean it's great but I, I wish it was a bit more accessible you know I wish there was you know people in the Olympics I guess you have to have that kind of track but mm -hmm. you know the regular tracks are much more you know and I find it difficult going around the corners on that pump track because I want to stick my leg out. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I'm getting ready I for still, the bike to slide out. But I think some bike time, and I told you, like, where you live in Vegas, there's some pump tracks out there. I'm sure Tracer Finn will probably right. listen to this. Yeah. Tracer, you got to keep this guy on it. And um, I think you, next time you can come out with a bit of bike time. You gotta, yeah, I'm going to yeah. reach out to Tracer when I get back and yeah. uh, get yeah. something going. There's a good scene in there, Vegas. So yeah. I think if you get into it, it'd be uh, good to see you riding regular. All right, let's. Right. Uh, we're not going to nail this whole Andy Ruffle podcast in one session, which is no rush. I think we'll do a little bit now, yeah. a little bit next time. And you got just so much to talk about. And I know a lot of English people, especially, um, are really excited to listen to um, anything you got to say. You know, so right. I guess we'll go to the start. How did you discover BMX? Um, if I can remember that far back, <laughs> well, I think that the road was actually filled with tragedy. My road to BMX. I think it, it all started, I was at school, um, and I sold tadpoles. Oh my God, the teacher, I did that way for a while. Yeah, the, the teacher <laughs> let me sell tadpoles in the class, and um, and that's how I got a little bit of money. I think it was like 12, well, actually, I can't remember, six quid or something like that. And I went in this, and it was about skateboarding. I wanted to be a skater. I don't know how old I was, I must have been 10 or 12. So I went in this store, saved up the money, went in this store, got this plank of wood with roller skate wheels on which was about you know whatever how much it cost and i was so excited i got this thing i walked out the door of the store jumped on the skateboard fell off the <laughs> skateboard went in the street and a truck ran it over oh. 
and that was my skateboarding career basically in a nutshell so I went back in the store with two pieces of a skateboard and said, hey, um, it didn't work. Can I replace it? And he wouldn't replace it. So I was devastated for about a month. But then, um, then I decided to keep going. So I eventually got a skateboard and went to Skate City in uh, London. There was a, I think it was the first skate park in the country. Uh, that must have been 76 or something like that. Wow. And I remember I had my first day, I finally got in, into the park, went to the men's room, was having a wee-wee, Right. With the skateboard parked up right next to me because I didn't want to let it go, and then three guys came in and robbed me of my skateboard while I was doing the, you know, doing my business, uh, and they ran off with my skateboard, and that was it. So after those two attempts, I thought, you know what, skating's not for you. Skating's not for me. I'm going to try and, um, you know, get this BMX thing down. But that was that was another big task for me because you know I, I basically did paper rounds and I worked on a market stall and all that for about I guess nine months, something like that. And then I bought my first bike from Bell Chambers. A lot of people remember that. Is that a bike England. shop? Yeah, Bell Chambers bike shop in Palmerston Road. And I paid £176 for a Mongoose Super Goose. Now, had you all seen somebody riding one? So this must have been about 80 Yeah, yeah that, was, that was... No, no, that was probably 78. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so somebody had bikes on there. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, because yeah. we'd all watch that Chips episode that right. everyone talks about. So yeah. we saw the Chips episode. Then we converted grifters. Okay. You know, we put big yeah. forks on grifters and big orange... Then, yeah, yeah, did all that. Big orange mud guards. Right. And there was a group of us at the time around Walthamstow and I think I was I was kind of lucky really because there was a groundswell around Walthamstow and we, we went and built a track over Stony Down Park I think it was we actually built it out of a tennis court we dug up a tennis court and made this little track and we all used to hang out over there and um so that was cool but I but I'd never had a BMX bike so everyone around me was buying these BMX bikes and I was so jealous right um so eventually I bought one and I was really I, I'm, I think I was lucky because there was a group of us I, I was fairly good you know I mean I think you know I, I loved doing it I, I was picking up tricks but then what happened Richard Barrington um, from Team Ace was doing some trials over at Holler Ponds, which is near where you know near Walthamstow, and um, I was I was gutted because I didn't know he was holding these trials, and I just turned up there, you know, expecting to do a little ride around, you know, what I'd normally do. Yeah. And then I remembered the Sugar Bowl there. I, was, I saw all the, all the people I knew on on the bike on their new bikes. You know, that was all gathered, and he was doing some trials, and he was watching him go over and up and down and jumping and all that. And I thought, well, what's going on there? So I, I didn't quite realise what was going on. So I steamed in like I normally would. Right. You know, I did an aerial 360 out the sugar bowl or something. And I remember, Richard, I'll never forget it, Richard Barrington just sort of jaw dropped and went, and I remember him saying to everyone, who's that kid? Who's he? Right. Right. And uh, anyway, cut long story short, that I ended up on um, on Team Ace. That's how Cap's easy truck. it was to get a sponsor back then. That's right. Yeah, Those were the yeah, days, mate. Show Those up at a spot, the do something, and yeah. you're on the team. So that that was really how it started, and then um, you know Cav was was on Cav the team already on the team. Well. Um, I'll be honest, I can't remember. I think he may have been on the team. I think it was Cav. Um, Nicky Matthews. Nicky Matthews was around, um, and uh, yes, and then all of a sudden I was on the team, and it was one of the greatest moments of my life because we he used to operate out of a, I think it was a restaurant. No, it was a tailor's on Billet Road. And it's one of the greatest moments of my life because, you know, we're told to meet at the uh, at the office. And yeah. I turned up at the office and he presented me with this Team Ace shirt. Wow. And it was one of the greatest feelings I've ever had. It was yeah. like, wow, I'd suddenly arrived. I'm a, you know, a, a real BMX That was rider. a very looking back now. And you can check, they've got a, they've got a Facebook page I've seen, That's a group. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, and, and if you look at the real early BMX British magazines, there's a lot of 
uh, teammates riders you know obviously uh, like say yourself and Cav and um, Mickey Matthews yeah so it was kind of the, maybe the was that so there wasn't so a that, Mongoose team then yet not, not no. yet no, no. That, I guess that was 79 right so, or the end of 79 and then um, what happened then was that a race happened at Redditch I think the first race was Redditch um, which I didn't know about or, could, or couldn't get to I guess so I never went to that but the first race I went to was a few months later at Chatham Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we turned up there in the Team Ace gear and everything. And uh, that was exciting. That was my first BMX race. And, Can and you I remember won. how you did and who was Yeah, there? I won it. Yeah. I, was, I think I was in the 14s, 14 age group. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it, there was a lot of guys there, there. A lot of guys that didn't last very long right. were in that, that kind of scene. Yeah. Then. Was Keith Wilson? I know he was around yeah, then. Keith, Keith yeah, Keith was around. Um, I think... Um, I can't remember whether we were in the same age group or whether he was in, younger, but I think, um, yeah, I remember Keith. I don't remember him at the first race, but I remember Keith from years later. Races. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, obviously, I can't forget Keith. He was uh, mm-hmm. always somewhere around me on the on the track. You know? Yeah, yeah. Any other names from that first race you remember? Um, Even if you didn't race, was, was was Tim Arch there, or was did you know who he I was? Think, I think Tim was there. My memory's a bit blurred with that, but yeah. I think it's it, there were some great riders that didn't stick around. I mean, it's like that whole Team Ace period. I mean, before we joined Team Ace, me and Cav, you know, we we were one of the first to ride skate parks on, uh-huh. on BMX bikes. So for r- roughly about eighteen months, we spent every minute that we could, you know, getting on the tube train and going to Harrow, mm-hmm. uh, Rom, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, there was, that, that was an amazing time. And I think that that's actually what made me a good racer, you know, because once, yeah, yeah. once you've ridden skate parks and you can jump out and crash and survive and, right. you know, all the rest of it. So that, that stood me in good stead. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was the first race, uh, October 1980. And then a couple of races with Team Ace. We did a summer in Ipswich and we, we travelled all around the country and... You know, I remember certain BMX races where, you know, we had elastic bands for start dates and stuff like that, which is always fun. And I always remember it raining. It was almost like every Still race is. we went Still to. Is. It was that's like, why we're here, right? God, a, that's why, yeah, exactly. That's why I live here. So, yeah, I remember a lot of that. I mean, those days were, were amazing. You know, when you think back, you know, elastic bands and then somebody had a mega... I think we did one race where there was nothing at all. So a guy, a guy with a megaphone right. was like, get ready, go. So, yeah, I mean, it was crazy times. But I think I was on ace for two or three races, I think. And I won, I won all the races. And then that's when Malcolm Jarvis, who was... I guess Malcolm Jarvis, Jarvis, Don Smith, Jeff Wiles, David Duffield, those guys were really active in trying to build the scene. And I think Malcolm was the first one to really put money into import bikes. So he started importing Mongoose. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I remember he approached me another race at Chatham, you know, six months later, um, early 81, I think, middle of 81. And um, he said, hey, you know, you should join our new Mongoose team. So I said, okay. Was there money involved back then? The Not rare at the then. start, just no. bikes and gear and stuff. No, I mean, I mean, I think most riders will appreciate to be Absolutely, given yeah. a bike. Oh yeah, you know, well, actually, he gave me two bikes. That's what blew my mind. Wow. It was like, you know, we got, we'll give you two bikes. Um, and I always remember another great moment in my career. Um, I was invited to the uh, the Mongoose warehouse, or Amico warehouse, you know, Amico Mongoose. Mm-hmm. And um, I, Malcolm literally said, "I'll never forget it. Walk around, pick up all the stuff you want." Wow. And it was early like, 80s as well. Oh, it yeah. was like winning the lottery. That'd be good like, now. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I'd love to do it now. 
So, yes, I remember walking up and down the aisles and I'd see grips and number plates and cranks and wheels and tyres and, you know, so... Um, and I remember I pulled out so much stuff I couldn't get it home because I didn't have a car. Or I, was, I was too young. Now, what was Malcolm doing before BMX? Was he importing other stuff? Um, he, other well, I think he was in property business. OK. Um, but he knew, you know, he knew warehousing and stuff like that. So he basically built a big warehouse, imported tons of bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we had a really good team because Tim was on the team by then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Craig was on the team then. Yeah. Um, my brother from another mother. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of key riders and Sue was a team manager. Um, and we had, we had the Volkswagen team bus going to drive us around. Which so, we saw some, some pic- yeah, it was pictures online. Of quite, yeah. You know, yeah. Pictures of that. So, I mean, you know, they were amazing times, but that's how yeah. I got from, you know, team A's to Mongoose. Um, and that's when, when things got interesting because I think as the sport grew, you know, then we did a trip to um, Mongoose in the States and we met Skip Hess and, you know, and he gave us the new factory jerseys and stuff like that. So that that was a real highlight. And then I did, a, what, three years on Mongoose and then moved to Rally in 85. Yeah. Um, well, before, so. let's, I just want to talk a little bit Mongoose because it was iconic times, especially for British BMX mm. and you guys, you mean the team, you've mentioned some of the riders on mongoose and obviously the greaves brothers came in wayne llewellyn that's right damien miles rest in peace yeah um i mean it was just a great team then all the ads you know when you guys are sitting outside sitting outside the pub in tenderland right with a beer and all your gear and stuff on but i mean um so was mongoose salaries and stuff ever involved at the stop before you went to rally was you already making something to make oh no no i mean mongoose paid me i mean i think because because rally that's when it oh, really went up, right? Yeah. I mean, there was a couple of teams that wanted me to, to, to switch. Yeah, who you else? Know? Who else chased you back then? I, I, I don't know. Um, I think what it was was there was uh, distributors. Right. You know, and they, they were like, well, okay, which bike do you like? Mm-hmm. You know, would, you know, come ride for us. We'll give you, you know, a bit of money and yeah, yeah. pass away. But there was, it, it, there was, it was never strong enough to leave Mongoose because Mongoose was like a family to me, you yeah. know, Malcolm and, and Now, Sue. Malcolm, was he like manager or you, I know you had a manager later, but were they yeah. helping you like, hey, you should do this or do that or? Not, not yeah. I mean, they set a lot of stuff up. I right. mean, you know, who could forget the Mongoose BMX team record? Yeah, yeah. BMX boys are a right, lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, it's still out there, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so they set up a lot of stuff like that. So, the way it worked was, you know, we'd race. Um, I, I started earning money from Mongoose actually in my second year because I used to go around the country doing doing shows. So, you know, front ops and back ops. Now, would you get and, paid per show or there was just like a big, um, big fee? And, it, it started yeah. that way. Yeah. yeah, it started that way. And actually, I, I love doing shows. Yeah. I mean, if I'm really honest, deep down, maybe I should have been a freestyler full time rather than. Yeah. Um, but it, it was amazing for me because I love doing those shows. You've been and on your profile. Yeah, and at that time, you know, you'd get you know get a thousand people at the, mm-hmm. the, the shops. You know, shops distributors would would set up with the stores, and you know Malcolm would set it up with all the, the big stores. So yeah, I mean, a thousand people at a time. You know, you feel like a superstar. Yeah. And I had money from that, so I used to do you know sometimes three in a weekend. What was that? You had a fan. Fancy car? What was it? Capri or something? Oh, the, no, the Opel Manta. That was it. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I guess when it, whenever you could get a driving license, so I guess that was sixteen, maybe sixteen, seventeen. Seventeen, I think it was. Yeah. So that was Malcolm's way of saying, "Hey, you know, don't go anywhere. You know, we'll get you a car. We'll yeah. stop." And th- then he started paying me. 
I can't remember how much, but I mean, it was good. At that and age then, as well, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and he bought me that car. It was brand new. I went wow. down a lot and picked the car out and he, he handed over the check. <laughs> so that's, that's always nice. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I remember that car with very fond memories. I love it. And it was actually quite famous. I don't know. You know, people still talk about it now. Oh, you still see pictures you know, on Facebook. Yeah. yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's one picture and it, it always pops up. There's you trying to get out the car and it's just all kids like hovering <laughs> around, <laughs> yeah, around, you yeah. know, like full. Uh, yeah, I mean, it really is rock star yeah. status back then, you know. I was reading the magazines um before you uh Superclass, which probably was 84 you won two or three national titles in a row right you definitely won two maybe three yeah well i won four yeah so i'm guessing it was literally oh because you did win the pros the first year in 85 on rally right that, yes right yeah so, you did yeah, so i got four. number two in 84 for 84 oh sorry when i rode in 85 on rally yeah. i had a number two plate which drove me nuts because tim got the number one in superclass the year before so he got one, I got two. That was um, it. That was and it. then yes. when, when in 85, then you got number one. I won the pro in 85. Yes. And then I was, I was number one in 86, but I didn't really ride much in, right. from then on. But Yeah. And then let, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, again, before we move into to rally, um, some of the guys you battled with. So Tony Slater, he was a... Yeah, he was... Chris Simmons. Yeah, Chris Simmons, those guys. Um, but Chris Simmons was, was... I remember Chris because he was a very... Uh, Let's say, um, what's the word I want to use? He wasn't afraid to use his elbows right. and his knees and that kind of stuff. So I had a lot of run-ins with Chris. Um, but, it, yeah, I mean, there's lots of riders like that. Tony was really good. A lot of them came through to the pros as well, like Jamie Vince. Yeah. Um, Sid. Sid. Mark Salisbury, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was, he, he's a legend. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of those riders were great. And, and a lot of the riders stayed with me they, they came up from the 16s or mm -hmm. the, you know whatever we did superclass and pro so yeah there was a lot of good rides a lot of standouts did you so 1984 was the first year of superclass so that was the big a lot of hype before the first year you and tim was gonna pair up to together battle and, it out. And, and battle it out lots of articles and all the i mean so many magazines back then yeah. uh, they made a big rivalry even before it started what was your thoughts going in was you like really hungry to be number one or you just didn't really um yeah i know i was i mean mainly because of tim i mean it's so funny i mean it weren't i didn't even it weren't the, it wasn't driving me to be a number one mm -hmm. it's like i've got to beat tim right and i think you know that carried on for obviously a couple of years but um but yeah so i was really looking forward to superclass and i think you know me and tim when we were talking it was all about you know how do we build a pro class mm -hmm. um even then we were like you know we've got to try and get that going but yeah i mean that was an amazing year as well i mean i, I always remember the first race i don't know how i remember this actually the first race was at teesside, teesside and, yeah. uh tim won and I was like, you know, I was actually devastated. It was probably the first time in my, my right. career I was like really devastated I didn't win that. Yeah. Uh, but I won a few more after that. But yeah, so Tim uh, Tim ended up with the one plate and that uh, that really spurred me on for 85. Yeah. And then obviously that was the change from Mongoose to Rally. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. I mean, I think I did during 84, 83, 84, I must have done something like 600 shows. Right, so I would literally go to a race. Then the Monday I'd do four shows in one city. Then I'd go to another city, do four shows, and I'd go. So you know, I was doing six, seven, eight shows a week. Um, so that was uh, that. That became a bit of a tricky one. You know, mm -hmm. that, was, that was a lot of work, but fantastic. I mean, wow. You know, turning up at a bike shop. You know, when there's hundreds of kids there. How it's was great. the woman situation then? Then women recognised that. <clears throat> Yeah, well, I mean, listen, at that time, from, well, I, I would say from 83, 84, 85, I mean, it was unreal. 
Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely. I mean, I did a lot of TV, obviously. So yeah, of course. That that helped, and I and I remember the thing that really got me, um, really brought me into people's uh, radar was I did this thing called Super Teams, which was on the BBC. Yeah, and it was their biggest show at the time. It was like basically all the athletes get together and mm-hmm. they would compete against each other. Um, people will remember in the UK will remember people like Brian Jacks and all that yes, kind of stuff. Yes. So I did that show and I was the youngest ever to be invited on. So I was like, I must have been 16 when I did the first one. But the thing that, um, you know, we, and it had 22 million viewers a show. I mean, it wow. was huge, huge. And then, of course, as the cyclist, I take, I take part in the cycle race. <laughs> I can't remember this. And, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's, and it was a relay. So, you know, I'm going up against rugby players and all that, and they're all twice my size. Right. Here's little me, 16, this BMX kid, amazing cyclist. And um, so the guy hands me the bike. I jump, and it's at 10-speed. So I jump on the 10-speed. On the and uh, of course, I'm not used to riding ten speed, so I put my foot on the peg, on the, on sorry, on the pedal, slipped off the pedal, and my foot went in the front wheel. So I did a cartwheel. I literally did a somersault over the handlebars in front of 22 million viewers. And it's on YouTube, that is. I've seen and it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's yeah. on YouTube. It's on the Stunt Biker channel. Yeah. So that that for me was transformational because I literally could not walk down the street without people sometimes being nice sometimes not being nice right. you know, they're, they're like you know you can tell they're looking at you going oh that's that that's that guy who fell off the bike right. on tv so but but in a way in a strange way that really put me into a different mm-hmm. stratosphere you know and then from then you know with the whole bmx beat things and you know all that stuff yeah. so but yeah in, t- in terms of being recognized i mean i literally couldn't go anywhere I mean, it, it was you know i don't want to be crass about it but it was like being a pop star yeah you know, absolutely, wherever yeah. i went i'd get recognized but, i mean so. you was on tv all week you know every, every week i mean there'd be some yeah, no, commercials sure. and well I, I did um i actually uh, i got somebody to try and do my um cv you know what they call it in, in america but basically, I did something like five or five or six hundred TV appearances wow. from like 1982, you know, onwards. And you obviously had a manager by then, right? By- well, I got actually Alan Rushton um, came on on board working for me in probably 84, beginning of 84. Um, and that was a real, real bonus for me because he had real expertise in like working with big brands. And he works in the Tour de France. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. and he, he he did the Tour of Britain. That was one of his events, cycling wise. Yeah. Um. So you know that was a real big uh, bonus for me because suddenly I had somebody working with me that understood brands, understand how to package stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. And and he brought the uh, the Kellogg's BMX series together. So he was one of the main yeah. key guys. Well, he that. actually he actually put the whole thing together. Wow. Um, so yeah, so that was a real bonus, and I think obviously Kellogg's again was, you know, amazing for the growth of BMX because yeah. I mean, you know, it was on Channel Four. I mean, I remember Channel Four, you know, they they said, "Wow, you know, this is one of the highest shows we've ever had for a young audience." You know, mm-hmm. so so yeah, that was that was good. So Adam Rushton was very important, and I think during that period in '84, you know, with the Kellogg's, I was on TV a lot with that. We did the first BMX beat, I think, in '83. So, you know, that had already been going, you know, a little... I did two seasons of that by the time the Kellogg's came on. And uh, so, yeah, so that was building into a real... That was building towards Rally for 85. Because then I had a real case to say to Rally, listen, guys, you know, you better pay me big or I ain't moving. Did you go to them or they came to you? Uh, No, they came to me. Well, they came to Alan, actually. Because, obviously, Rally do a lot of, you know, bicycle uh, racing. Mm -hmm. And um, he was working with Rally anyway. Right. Uh, And they said to him, look, we want to ramp things up for 85. 
And, um, you know, then I got the phone call from Alan saying, hey, you know, let's go up to Nottingham and have a chat. And that was so cool because I didn't really have to have the conversation. Was I wasn't talking the about the money. I wasn't talking about, what, right. you know, what they're going to give me. It was all him. So I could just sit there and, yeah, yeah, you know, look, look smart and, you know, let him do the talking. So that, that was great. But it was, it was a tricky one. It took, it took about three months, actually, to do the deal. Because I was even, no matter what they offered, I was really reticent about leaving yeah. Amico Mongoose. That, that was, you know, Mongoose, Malcolm and Sun, that was my family. So it was very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually earned some good money in 84. So I was like, well, look, I'm earning good money. I'm part of a family. You know, I love Malcolm Sue and mm-hmm. team's amazing. Um, but yeah, in the end, you know, it, it was it was too good to... You know, Were they really bombed out? Was it a relationship like end with you guys? No, I remember still? the conversation. Malcolm yeah. was brilliant because I'd just done... I always remember that uh, I'm trying to get the years right here. I did. I went to uh, I went to Africa and shot this movie, like a BMX movie. It's called BMX the video, but mm-hmm. you know we shot it on 35 mil, and that obviously hadn't been done before in BMX. So anyway, I spent I spent six weeks, seven weeks in uh, in Africa shooting that, and uh, then uh, Kellogg's. I did. We did a deal with Kellogg's, and they used me in their commercials in about twelve countries. It was like strange, and it was literally me sitting eating a bowl of cereal. <laughs> so I don't know how that solved cornflakes, but um, but yeah. So that, so that was exciting, and I think two or three of these things happened in a row. So things were really building, and even Malcolm was like, "Look, you know, I, I went back to Malcolm first and said, look can you improve my deal here for 85? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he did, you know, he improved things. But that was when the conversations were going on with Rally. I, I just told Malcolm I was honest. I said, listen, Rally, want to do something? I'll keep you posted if it works out right, you know. Yeah. And when eventually we did the deal, we um, I, I went to Malcolm, went and see, I went to see him at the factory and said, look, I'm going to take this deal. And then I told him what it was, and he said, uh, "Yeah, you better go. We yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not going to manage that." Right. So, um, so yeah. So you know, it was it was sad to leave him, but the opportunity with the rally was huge. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like I was working with Craig. We put the team together. Now, did you decide? Well, Craig was already on the team, right? Yeah, Craig, Craig. Craig is Sam. a rally legend. Yeah, right, I mean, yeah. he he he's responsible really for Which is putting Craig rally. Schofield for, yeah, Craig Schofield. Yeah, yeah. Craig Craig put rally on the map. Really, I mean, yeah. he's he's the one that really got rally going you know as a team and 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 you know in terms of publicity and everything um and in a way it's great you know craig's my, you know, been my best friend since mm-hmm. you know we were 12 years old or 13 years old so that that was a really good uh good relationship to have when we did the rally thing so yeah but it was exciting you know and also you know between me and craig we had pretty much total control of what we did with the team and all the rest so did of you it. bring sam woods in to, to be yeah team yeah i brought yeah. sam in sam in as team manager oh my god yeah. i can tell you some stories about that <laughs> um so yeah so it was a really good but and also i think it was a new level of professionalism mm-hmm. as well and it was it, it always makes me chuckle that when you see some pictures in bmx action bike where we've got the big rally van and then we've got like our own tent and you know seats and little yeah. sofas and it looks better than some of the teams now yeah yeah. Pictures, yeah i mean it is, it's yeah. like a you know like a formula one a couple of blondes in there as oh, well oh my yeah. god yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know so it was it was it we we upped the game there's no doubt about it yeah um, absolutely yeah and, uh, and obviously burner was happening at the same time the rally burners so it kind of yeah absolutely probably already happened by the time you got on the team yeah it's still think, big though wasn't it yeah absolutely it was um it was it was huge. I mean, everyone remembers Burners. I mean, there's, there's yeah. fan clubs in England of you know thousands of people. So I mean, it's just a strong brand. Yeah. But yeah, boy, I had a good time in '85. That's for sure. So Geth, did you see him? That was the first year. You know, the, it was the first official year of pro racing in the U.S. 
obviously you and Tim went over and, uh, and the regular guys that raced in 84 in Superclass, but obviously uh, Geth was coming in. You know, did you see Geth, Geth come in? Geth was scary. He was, right. he was the only rider I was ever scared of, I can say that. Right. Um, and I think, I'm, I, in a way, I mean, I tell people I was lucky that, you know, by 86, I was kind of, nobody could pay me, to be honest, so I kind of was already bored with BMX. I didn't want to Right. So, but I think Geth was, was the only rider that's ever scared me because he was so natural and fast. And, yeah. You know, and I remember the first time I saw him, it was probably not in him. And um, I was like, oh, my God, who is this kid? Um, but, yeah, I mean, Geth was amazing. He, he was um, by far the most natural and, and what you would call, like, he, he had more, like, American style brute power with real style yeah yeah um whereas i think i you know i had to learn the hard way but i think he was just natural mm -hmm. so yeah so geff definitely um was was definitely the guy and i mean i think gary Wellin towards the end of 85 um, end in, of 85 yeah. came in he was dead fast um but it became to you and geff for the title at wigan right i think it was between you two yeah it depends which series i mean i think i, I won the uk BMX Pro Series. I won the. There was another series. MBMXA. Um, MBMXA. I, I, I'm not sure what I did in that. I, I, I'm not sure. I think Geth might have won that I one. Think Geth may have won but that. But you definitely won the one that really counted. I think that year. Yeah, I actually didn't. Do, yeah. yeah, as far as I know, I didn't do many MBMXA that year because right. they also had the Screen Sport Pro Series, which, yeah. which went on Screen Sport on TV in Europe. Yes. And that series was amazing. It was that was like an, about eight or nine races, mm -hmm. um, and I won that as well. So, but Geff was that's when Geff really started to come forward because that that mm -hmm. screen sport series is amazing. It's on Stunt the Biker Channel, right? <laughs> um, but all the races are up there. But yeah, it, it's. Um, I'm glad that I kind of ducked out a bit from '86 onwards because you know Geff would have kicked our ass really if would have. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, was there any thought? I know you came out to the US, like I said earlier during your mongoose when you first got a mongoose um you did a couple of world championships obviously holland and uh did you go to japan i never yeah. no i didn't go to japan i remember tim going but right. I, I i it's one of the things i wouldn't say i got any regrets about that whole period but i'll tell you mm. one thing that i'm amazed by knowing myself as i do is that i never really cared about winning a european championship or a world championship and There's so much going on in England back then, though, weren't there? Yeah, and, yeah. It, and, and I'm amazed by that, to be honest, because yeah. you know, I'm a competitive guy. I should have wanted to win it. But yeah. I, th I think I missed the Europeans once because, you know, I, they were going to pay me to do two shows in Birmingham. Because Tony Slater yeah. won Holland 82, maybe, 82, Beacon maybe, Dock. Yeah. Yeah, I think Beacon Tony Dock. Slater yeah, I probably won your class, and yeah. I don't know if he was even there then. Yeah. I don't think I was there. I don't remember. I, I remember doing one Europeans. Mm. Um, but yeah, I never really focused much on that, and I and I'd, I can't, I don't regret it, but I wish I had have focused on that. Yeah. You know, I would love to have you know really pushed because I mean you know Craig Schofield winning the worlds at um, uh, Whistler. Yeah, yeah. I mean you know that was so incredible, and I, I remember and I rode that one. I mean I didn't do any good, or well, I got third or fourth or something. But um, but yeah, I mean that that does amaze me. I I, I, I yeah. wish I'd have tried harder to win some of those things. And never come out to the states. You weren't too worried about. I guess back then there was, like I said, there was so much going on in England. There was no yeah. real desire to to come out here, was there? Really? No, I mean I think the reality for me was, well, look, I'm earning money in the UK. Why would I want to go to the states? Yeah. I think if I wasn't earning money in the UK, I mean the natural thing to do would be to move to the states. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean we went a few times. We did the Knoxby Farm thing. I won my first race in America at the. Um, well, you're the Jaguar Pontiac Silverdome. You're the world champion, right? Like 15 novice or something. No, no, it wasn't world championships. It was. Um, it was at the Pontiac Silverdome, and I remember it. It was the first time I'd gone to America to race. 
So it must have been the time after we'd just met Skip and all the rest of it. So it may yeah. have been the next year. And I remember I turned up there and somebody had got the booking wrong. So, of course, I'm, I'm, I was young. I was 15. Mm. So I've got no credit cards or anything like that. And I turned up in Michigan and, of course, they got the booking wrong. So I was there three or four days early. Mm-hmm. So I had nowhere to stay and nowhere to go. And I, was, and I, <laughs> I basically got arrested on the freeway. I'll never forget it because the, the hotel, I found out what the hotel was. And it was like, you know... 15, 16 miles away. Right. And I decided to get there by riding on these 20-lane freeways all the way to the, the hotel. Anyway, so I got picked up by the cops, luckily. And uh, they put they put me bike in the back, in the trunk, and, you know, they drove me to the hotel. Of course, I get to the hotel, and it's like, oh, well, we haven't got a booking for you. So I don't, yeah. Anyway, but I did, I persuaded them to let me stay in the hotel. No credit card or anything mm-hmm. like that. So luckily, I was there. I was only there two days, three days, and then... Um, Ross Okawa arrived, who was brilliant. He's a legend, RIP. Um, you know, he showed up and then everything was all right. But, but yeah, I won that race. Um, There's a picture, and I'll pull it up, of you and a big trophy. I was, I was always thought that was like a world championship. Like a, no, that was Knott's Farm. Okay. I think that's Knott's Farm. Yeah, yeah, it's like... I'm going to look, I'm going to check It was my, like taller my, than me, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to check yeah. what actually that is that you won. Um, let's talk a little bit about your brothers, because obviously they were... Racing and BMX as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, Rob, Robert dabbled in it. I mean, he, you know, he, he he was into the racing and freestyle actually. Robert was amazingly good. Robert took part in BMX beat and and you know won one of the heats or you know did really well. Mm-hmm. Neil, obviously, Amazing, you know yeah. what can I say? I mean, I think okay, he's my brother, but I mean, definitely the or one of the most talented bike riders I've ever, ever now, seen. Now, was Neil racing in the BMX the early days you I were, think he or? dabbled in it. I mean, he wasn't really. I mean, he dabbled in a bit of racing maybe 83 or 82. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was clear that, you know, he, he loved doing all the tricks Which, Did stuff. you say to him, like, you need to pursue the freestyle? Well, or? i tell you what it was. I said, I said, you know, we'll build him a ramp in the garden of Mission Grove, which yeah. became quite famous in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, one Mission Grove in Walthamstow, the mm-hmm. legend of BMX <laughs> freestyle. Yeah, so we, we built a ramp in the in the front garden, and then, and then he just he just took off. I mean, he was, you know, really, really good. Um, so that, that really... Um, cemented his move to freestyle. He wasn't going to do any racing after that. And you never really, because he was he straight on Skyway with his first big deal. Well, I think what happened was he, um, I, I kind of, you know, I got him a mongoose and stuff like that. Got him some stuff to to ride with. But I think he, I think it's Peter Hawkins who used to manage the Skyway team. Yes. Or actually, or was it the profile? Was it profile? No, it, it did profile? ProLight, ProLight, and yeah. Skyway. I think both. Right. Okay. So basically, he. Um, he saw Neil and said, wow, we've got to get him on the team. So he rode on Skyway with, with Craig Campbell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did really well. I mean, you know, did a lot of comps, particularly the King of Skate Park stuff. In, uh, were they like, I know they were rivals, but were they cool and they, they, they were friends and stuff? I think so. I mean, yeah. a lot, a lot of, over the last few years, actually, the, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, I hear things that they didn't like each other or stuff's going on. But, you know, I mean, I messaged Craig Campbell probably two years ago and sort of said, you know, I've, I've never heard Neil say anything bad about Craig. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it was maybe a bit of a rivalry for sure. Probably because good for both of them. Though, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you see those two at South Sea. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like incredible. So they pushed each other. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, Neil, Neil was brilliant. Neil got in trouble, and I must admit, I, I'm slightly uh, pissed off about it because I didn't really realise what was going on. Like the whole BFA thing, British Freestyle Association. Yeah. Um, I don't think they like Neil for some reason. Uh-huh. So he used to, like, strange things used to happen. He'd get disqualified for stupid shit. Right. Um, and stuff 
stuff like that, which I never, I wish I'd have known that was going on. But he basically got disqualified. Lots of stuff going on. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was strange. But I mean, you know, he he kicked ass. I mean, to, to my mind, he kicked everybody's ass. He really made um, a name on at least the the big stage was when he obviously got second behind Wilkerson at the Kellogg's. Right? That's right. Yeah, yeah he was yeah. in the final. Him, yeah, yeah. Neil Ruffle and Ron Wilkerson in yeah. the final. I mean, yeah. what a day he that knocked was. Out, I think oh. Eddie Fiola. Eddie Fiola. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, Craig as well. I mean, mm-hmm. there was. A, I mean, pretty much the. Uh, world's best freestylers, really. Brian Blyther was there. Brian Blyther, yeah. Um, Mike Dominguez, mm-hmm. or that might have been '84. He was there '84, yeah. But yeah. still, it was a big deal, and I still remember yeah. the footages out there. I mean, can obviously. you imagine what that's like? I'm sitting there watching mm. my brother compete against Ron Wilkinson. It's like yeah. crazy. And you're an and, uh, and I knew Ron, you know, reasonably well because he did the whole shot stuff, of course. So he was on the whole shot event, and uh, so yeah, I mean, Neil was definitely. You know, one of the best I've ever seen. Um, and I think, you know, has sadly, you know, he's not with us anymore. But um, it's, um, thank God we've got some amazing pictures. It must be cool. You still, I mean, say there's still regular people posting stuff of him, you know. Oh, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've got, a, we've got a Facebook page up, Neil Ruffle RIP. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Some I think it's got like 3,000 3, likes on it. So, they, you know. Yeah. Um, but it is, you know, I look at those pictures and I go, wow, how did he do that? Yeah. You know, and I remember the days when I used to do aerials, you know, I mean, I, I could get good aerials. But you I mean, guys never really that. competed at the same time then in freestyle, did you? You kind of no, easy he, he was coming in. Yeah, so I, I guess I was, you know, drifting out of BMX and he was really kicking. Yeah, yeah. Or, or put it this way, I didn't do any freestyle competitions. When you got on rally, probably, yeah, you got more uh, like the Kellogg's. You didn't do, actually, you didn't do freestyle. No, I won either. a couple of, I, I think I won a couple of freestyle. Well, actually, I won a lot of freestyle comps. NEC, I think. Did you, did you win? Uh, yeah, won, won that. Um, I think there was one one year, you know, won the number one play or won the British. Well, one year you was number one at both, right? Yeah, well, number one at both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, no, but but I didn't compete, so I I focused on doing shows. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I remember that I did I did a show at Whole Shot. Um, which I was a little bit scared about because there were some really good freestylers at Whole Shot. Well, let's talk a little bit about Whole Shot then. How did that come about? And that's obviously oh, your, your baby. That's wild days. So that must, I think it's 83 or 84. What was, was Whole Shot, was that like a clothing brand you was going to start and then you'd, or just Not, an event? Yeah, yes, or, I think that that was, yes. It was basically a clothing brand and um, when it came to Whole Shot, I, I started it actually as the British Freestyle Championships. And I think it was that people, people uh, will argue this one, but I think it was December 83 we did the first one, but it might have been 84. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a real lesson. That was a, uh, a lesson in life putting that thing on. That's for sure. So, you know, it developed the, the original idea. I wanted to do the, uh, the X games of the time. Which so it kind of was, right? Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. I mean, it's, um, yeah, that was the original idea, but it started off as the British Freestyle Championship and then, you know, I developed it out so it had skaters and, you know, and we even had hacky sack people in there, which was <laughs> bizarre. Yeah, yeah, that was bizarre. So, um, but yeah, Whole Shot was, was an incredible experience. We did four of them and that was, that was a real learning curve for me. I mean, I, I, I learned a lot of important lessons doing that. Um, but it was great, you know. We had three or four thousand, or five thousand people there. Used to show up from all over the country, and you know, it was wild. It was, you know, it, it was really funny because a lot of the awards or a lot of the winners, you know, we we tried to 
to announce by how loud the crowd was and stuff like that. And then the later years of Whole Shot was just mayhem, but it was brilliant. You know, people big were... trophies in the pictures and the crowds. Um, yeah. I remember, no, I remember seeing the big, big like American style trophies that we never had in racing. Anymore. Sure, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, but I mean, we... it was razzmatazz. That's you know? right. Yeah, no, it was. It was. It was different. I mean, the atmosphere was incredible. Um, you know, we tried to not have too many rules, so you know, you had skaters jumping off the seating areas and all kinds <laughs> of stuff. Um, but I think that was incredible because we brought over a lot of Americans, and I think I think it's true to say a lot of it was their first time coming to the yeah. UK so and we brought the skate teams out as well um, Christian Azoya was a highlight um, Gator you know, was there as well wasn't he? Gator Rogowski oh wow that's crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was that was mad yeah um, so yeah so I think Whole Shot as an event was pretty unique you know it was, it was wild um, and you know I learned a lot you know I, I learned that when you bring um, certain people over from the States and they see how many people are at the show and, you know, you, you get ambushed in your office <laughs> because they want, you know, need a little extra coin. Um, you know, things like that. So, but but I think as an event, it was amazing. And, 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 the, and the last one we did was 87 and it was, it had finally arrived because we made the front cover of uh, Freestyling magazine. Wow. Um, so that was incredible. We, you know, amazing lineups and all the rest of it. But, and, and it also got me in a bit of trouble because one of the skaters, uh, I won't mention any names, but one, one <laughs> of the skaters um, fell off his skateboard on Victoria Underground Station. And uh, his skateboard went in, down in the rails. And, of course, he jumped down to get his skateboard out oh. as, a, as a train was coming in. Wow. And uh, so the train did an emergency stop, total chaos, blah, blah, blah. So when the, um, when the transport police came on the platform to find out what had gone on, of course, they all, all the, everybody on the platform, all the kids on the platform, knew who the skater was and knew why he was in town. Right. Oh, he's got the whole shot tomorrow. Oh, he's got the whole shot yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> so, of course, the next thing I know, I get this big lawsuit from London Transport because on the train, on the tube train, there was 20 lawyers from California, probably LA, I think, I can't remember. And um, they were going to a lawyer's, some lawyer's conference in uh, London. So, of course, what are they going to do? Yeah. We, you know, one of them hurt his elbow or something happened yeah, on the train. You know, it wasn't like a disaster. Yeah. But, so I get hit with a, a multi-million pound lawsuit for um, duty of care. We have a law in England called duty of care. So if you bring somebody over from the States to perform at your event, you're responsible for them. So whatever. I mean, I, I don't know whether that's changed, but I mean, that's how it was then. Yeah. So, of course, London Transport said, right, you were in charge. We're going to sue you because the lawyers are suing London Transport. I'd have been, oh, I'd have been fine yeah. if the lawyers hadn't have sued London Transport for this thing. Yeah. And it was so funny. We had an initial call hearing and, you know, just hearing the, 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 the so-called charge, you know, the, the rider was on a skateboard and he fell off his skateboard and the skateboard went in the rails and, and he jumped in. I mean, it's just, it was actually quite comical, but obviously quite serious. But yeah. So, I mean, it went on for about two years and, um, I stopped doing Old in 87. I didn't get that clear of that lawsuit till about 88 or, maybe even 89 oh man and um you know stuff i can't talk about with that but basically it, it got resolved in the end mm -hmm. um so yeah but whole shot was was full of stuff like that every year there'd be a drama or something you know i had hotels set on fire um <laughs> you know i got i got i've got a 40 grand bill once because um 
certain people. I won't. <laughs> I won't delve into that story. But basically, the hotel that I put people up in was set on fire, wow. um, and uh, I got a nice big bill for that. So yeah, that I mean lots of stuff. But that's what I mean by a learning curve. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of stuff. Everything. You remember, this was in the eighties as well. Yeah, this is yeah, 80, yeah. 84, 85, 86. I did the last one in eighty seven, I think. Um, but yeah, so crazy times. But man, what a school of learning! Yeah, you know, I learned all kinds of stuff with that. All stuff um, to put in your back pocket, right? Oh my god, yeah. But you know, really fun. I'm really proud of it. People still talk about it today. You mm-hmm. know, there's still loads of pictures on there. Yeah, uh, on Facebook. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm so proud that I did that. It was great, great fun. Same time, you kind of winded down your racing, like say '85 rally. Did rally start to like want to give you pay cuts and stuff, or Cause no? I... It was it was what well, they couldn't because I was contracted for '85. '85 was fine. Yeah, right. We won everything. Yeah, Craig won the world championships. I won the British Pro and the Screensport Pro and the whatever else I did. I did 200 shows in the year. So it was a job done for yeah, rally. All, all around Europe. I, I, taught, I toured pretty much 12 countries probably on rally's behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were very happy. It was all great. Yeah. The problem is in 86, the, the world fell out of BMX. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was no BMX in it. It was very strange. It was like mm-hmm. one minute it was all, you know, exciting and, you know, biggest sport in the world. And then suddenly nobody's buying BMX bikes. And that really affected Rally because they sold the most bikes. I mean, they sold, they even sold, I think we sold something like, well, well, we did, this was part of the great thing with my Rally deal was that, you know, they did the Andy Ruffle team special. Now, I have to be honest, I thought when we discussed it originally with them, they were going to do a good bike. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't mean that, you know, but yeah, you know what I mean. Higher end model, I thought yeah. a higher end model. Yeah. Um, but then they said, well, this is these are our sales projections. If we make yeah, it this price bike, point, ch- yeah. If we, cheap, if we make it, bikes, if we make it hundred money. quid, yeah. You know, we'll sell this many. If we make it two hundred quid, yeah. we'll sell this many. And I'm like, oh yeah, stick to the cheap one. That's yes. fine. But it was a great little bike. I mean, you know, it mm-hmm. is what it, it is. What it is. I've actually got one. I, I had one restored, and it's a really funny story. Actually, uh, I think uh, if I remember this right, I signed somebody's bike an Andy Ruffle special in 85 I signed it so Andy Ruffle 1985 mm-hmm. on the seat or was it on the frame probably on the frame somebody bought the bike actually Jimmy Jimmy P who I love who's one of the best bike restorers in the world um, he bought it restored it and it still had the signature on the frame wow. and then I bought it off of Jimmy P so I've got like the ultimate accurately restored Andy Ruffle team special and it's still got my signature on it from 1985 that's so cool so yeah that's, that's so that's uh, I'm quite quite proud of that but that that was really good for me because you know I was getting you know I forget what I was getting uh, four or five quid a bike or wow, yeah. something like that yeah, um, yeah. in the 80s again yeah, yeah. In, in the 80s yeah. you know and they, I think they sold 60,000 or 57,000 of them or something wow you know, because they carried on selling they still sold in 86 you know even though I wasn't on the team they still sold so did you like you just like hopped out the deal then, or how did? Well, I tell you what happened. There was a lot of drama going on because what, what one of my requests, my 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 and myself and Craig Schofield loved Ford XR4 eyes. Yeah, and they were the top dog at the time. You know, it was an amazing car, yeah. 140 mile an hour. You know, it was a free free. You know, it's a bit is a great car. So we were big fans. So part of my deal, I said I want an XR4i, yeah. this spec, blah blah. Uh, I still remember the number plate, B418DFW. Oh, my God, how do I remember that? Right. <laughs> I can't remember yesterday. Um, so, yeah, so this this was a bit of a turning point because, you know, I did a lot of miles in the car, obviously, because I was traveling around doing these shows. But yeah. I tended to, you know, 
have a lot of uh, issues like you know to buy i think i went through six six different uh, six sets of tires three gearboxes you know lots of you know stuff like that so it's a bit of a understandably rally weren't too happy because right. the car was costing thousands every month yeah I, you, you was know, hammering it i was hammering it but yeah so that was actually the turning point so when it came time everything was great we um you know did this meeting at rally at the end of the season so i guess that must have been october Everything was amazing, you know, everyone at the factory greeted me, Craig and the guys, and, you know, gave us standing ovation because, you know, mm-hmm. one, one, everybody on the team won and stuff. Yeah. And then basically that was all great, and then it came to November. I remember ringing up Alan and saying, oh, um, you know, what's happening for next year? Right. You know, <laughs> dead silence. Right. Uh, he said, uh, let me call you back on that, Andy, <laughs> and I knew something was up. So, right. But basically they, they said... Uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'd love you back, but, you know, we're, your package is worth basically half or less than what it was. Uh, um, and there was various other things, but it, it just wasn't worth it anymore. So I actually ended up going back to... Mongoose, yes. Yeah, yes. for 86. Yeah. Uh, which was great. Did a, did a good deal with Mount. Mount was brilliant. He said... That's so cool. He had no problem like, yeah, Oh, come my back. God. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he said, listen, if you want to come... I mean, I could have carried on with Rally, but I think... It, I could see where the you know where the river was flowing. So yeah. you know to go back home, like yeah. going back to Malcolm. So mm-hmm. I did you know I did a year with with Amico in '86, and then I thought I retired, but apparently I didn't. I carried on riding. I did some races in '87, which I don't remember at all. '87 is like a ghost year for me. I don't know what the hell I did in '87. And then I th- I then apparently somebody told me the other day my last race was at Tamworth, which you won in 1988, which I won. Yeah, Imagine yeah. that. Yeah. And I think Geff was riding in it. Oh, and I tripled it, apparently. Right. Or something. It was one of them. Or I remember that was, yeah, that, that's, that's definitely well documented. That was your, your last yeah, so one. Yeah, so I, I think, yeah, the reality was that, that the chance to go home to mm. work with Malcolm and, and Sue again was great. There was but. still a, you did a little teeny bit on Robinson. Yeah, I think, well, that must have been 87. Tony Hoffman then. Tony so Hoffman, yeah. What, what was your relationship with him PRA. then? PRA. He came in and did the PRA, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think people... People have various opinions about Tony, but he was—he was first and foremost a friend, right? Yeah, Tony yeah. Was, a, was a great friend. He was friends with our family as well. Yeah, we were friends I mean, I—I I, yeah. I love Tony, yeah. and um, I know Craig loves Tony, and, yeah. and anyone that worked with him a lot, you know, mm-hmm. they—they they, they like him. Um, so I don't know. I don't know why people. Some people got the ump with him. I don't know, but. Yeah. But, you know, he, he was instrumental in setting up the Professional Riders Association. Yeah. Um, I can't remember when we set that up, to be honest, whether it was 85 or 86 or... I don't know. But, yeah, so... 86, obviously, because of... Um, oh, because of the world's... Because of the world's... In debacle. Yeah, yeah. That's, our the podca- day, the that's day. a podcast on its own. Oh, my God. The yeah. day that will go down in infamy. <laughs> um, yeah, so 86 was a strange year, actually. Obviously, we had that whole drama with the world's... Um, I don't remember much about 86, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. Did a few shows and stuff. I've seen some pictures of, of doing some shows on the Amico, Amico Mongoose. But, yeah, I don't know. Blank year for me. Don't remember much about it. Yeah. And then did you kind of, like, start seeing what's next then? Was you already working on stuff? And Well, I think after the TV stuff... Um, I mean, because BMXB, I mean, what an adventure that was as well. I did... I mean, I always remember the first show... Mm-hmm. That must have been 84 then. Mike right. Pardon won the first one, right? We, yes, we've had that's him right. on the podcast. And that's right. Mike, about... Mike won the first BMX beat. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm a bit, I don't know about the dates, but 84, 
I thought it was 83, but maybe it was 84. Did the first BMX beat, but that was horrifying. Now, I'd done a lot of TV spots. You know, you go on a show and mm-hmm. you talk about BMX and do a few front ops, right. uh, back ops. Um, and um, so I did a bit of that. But anyway, I get this call. And this was before Alan was working with me. So I literally got a call from an amazing guy called Harry King, who's on Facebook, actually. I just discovered him. Harry King was the producer of BMX Beat. Mm-hmm. And so we have this conversation, and it was, it was one of the strangest ever. It's like, hey, uh, yeah, can you come up, and um, we want you to be on this new show we're doing called BMX Beat. And I, w- I wasn't really sure. I just thought it was the normal thing. I would go up there, appear on this show, yeah. talk about BMX front ops, back ops, yeah, yeah, see and that would be great. Yeah. But it never turned out like that. I'd literally turned up in Carlisle, and I've got a hotel room. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, I've got a hotel room. I'm just turning up to do this thing. What, mm-hmm. time, what time do I need to do me front ops? ops? <laughs> <laughs> when, when do I do me 360? Right. <laughs> Come on, let me do me 360. Um, so all of a sudden, oh, no, you've, you've got a hotel room. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's weird. Uh, so anyway, I turn up the next day, and I'll never forget it, as one of the scariest things ever. I literally get there. There's obviously a big, there's a big audience, TV cameras everywhere. And he literally handed me a microphone. And said, okay, uh, Mike Pardon's up first. He's in round one. And I was like, what do you mean? And I'm literally standing there with... Um, Alistair. Alistair Peary, bless him. Oh, what he amazing. passed away, right? Yeah, what an amazing guy he was. He really helped me, actually. Mm-hmm. So, literally, I'm thrown in there. No scripts, no whatever. Well, that's one of my questions. Was you media trained or anything? Of course not. Even no. looking back at a lot of those clips, you did a great job. Well, you know? thank you. Yeah. I mean, it, it, they kept bringing me back, so I guess it, yeah, you know, yeah. it kept going. But that, that was one of the scariest things I've ever done because you literally, you know, when you're in that situation where somebody's handed you a microphone, mm-hmm. you've got a thousand kids sitting there screaming and whatever, you know, and, and then the camera's in front of you. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what do you do? Yeah. You just have to make stuff up. Yeah, but you did really good. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it yeah, worked. Yeah. I, I must admit, I, if, if, um, if I'm honest, I, I think I got better at it. I think by the time, I mean, I did six series of BMX Beat, wow. uh, six programs of a series, a show, season. And um, so, yeah, I think I got a lot better. And actually, by series six, they let me do it on my own. So I, yeah. I was the, the main host. I did it with Gaz Top, obviously. Gaz very Top, yeah, people. one to him. Ah, he's brilliant. No, he's, he's still around. You still talk to these people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I spoke, spoke to Gaz, well, well, I say recently, but, you know, probably a month ago or so. Right. Yeah, he's still around. He um, just did a Mick tour Brown, I know he's, he, talk, he hops on your Facebook yeah, here and there. Mick's, he jumps in on a few of the Mick's comments. brilliant. I mean, I think Mick Brown, even then, for the... Mid eighties, yeah, like funny, yeah, yeah, a good personality. He, he was like brilliant. Good I mean, yeah. I'm surprised he didn't. We see him more after that, you know. I know he did yeah, radio and stuff. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I know he did. He did. He did a lot of TV. Um, it was but on top I, of the pops, twenty Pat and Mick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, but I think most people know him for the you know in, yeah. our, in our world. You yeah, know, they obviously know him for for the Kelloggs and but stuff. But watching like. those old clips, I mean, he's really oh, funny, he's little one liners, ah, and brilliant. just it flowed. You both did, you know. Yeah, so did he help yeah. you a lot as well during the Kelloggs? Yeah, I mean, you know, Kelloggs was difficult um, because I was always road crap. Mm. You know, well, actually, apart from the first one, I think I did all right, but it was very difficult. It was because your brain—it's very hard for your brain to cope with being psyched up oh, to absolutely. a race. I can only imagine. I mean, you, to, yeah. you know more yeah. than, better but than to me. But try and do all that as well. Yeah, I mean, and then and then yeah. you, and then you get all really awkward situations where I think there was one race in the first series season of the Kellogg's. So that must have been '84, and I think it was in a really dark dreary place up north sorry up north i love up north but <laughs> it was a dreary bmx track t tyne somewhere 
And um, of course, I just done. Uh, it was one of the most. Gateshead. Oh, Gateshead. That's yep. right. I love Gateshead. I just didn't like the track. Um, but it was honestly, this was another BBC Super Teams moment, right? right? Because I had this classic situation where part of the shows were Andy Ruffles race tips. Right. That was it. Yeah. Right. I mean, most people know what I'm about to say, but Andy Ruffles race tips, and uh, it got to number six. And I kind of run out of things to say on these race tips. So it was right. like, let's do bike preparation. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember standing there in front of the camera and I've, I've got me, uh, me cloth out and I'm cleaning my bike and I'm talking through what you must make sure you do before a BMX race. And I, and I actually said on camera something like, I can't remember it word for word, but it's like, and make sure your pedals are done up really tightly and this one goes to the left, this one goes to the right. They've yeah. got to be tight. Da, da, da. So, of course, half an hour later, it's time for me to race Big Tim and Alan Woods and mm -hmm. all those guys. And um, I get up on the gate and my pedal falls off. <laughs> right in front of the TV camera. Right. <laughs> so, so people still talk about so that. I'll never forget it. I, could, I mean, I obviously, I, I mean, I'm in shock. I don't know what's happened. I, right. I went to pedal out the gate and my pedal just fell off. Mm. So I end up, Tim March and everybody else is racing down the straight. And yeah. I'm literally like walking my bike, like right. to, expecting something to happen, but yeah, it wasn't happening. Yeah. So, of course, that I'll never live that day down right. either. That was another serious bitching from the public when I walked down the street after that one. Right? Yeah, yeah. That, you know, BM, uh, uh, Kellogg's was a, was a big, uh, a big show. Yeah. So, yeah. So that one I never lived down either. But it's funny when those things happen. The fact that people are talking about you mm -hmm. actually helps yeah, because yeah, yeah. you know suddenly you're you're back in the news again. Yeah. You know, I remember I remember the Sun. You know, I, I did this thing um, in the Sun. They did a week in the life of Andy Ruffalo. The Sun is a big uh, tabloid newspaper in, in uh, Piers Morgan. Uh, Piers Morgan. He was like the gossip guy. Yeah, he was the gossip guy at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they did this thing in a week in the life of Andy Ruffalo, and they did a double page spread in the Sun, and that was something. You know, mm. it was like you know double page spread, Absolutely, and yeah. they followed me around for a few days and. You know, and they listed it all out. But what was funny, that went out probably a couple of days before this Kellogg's thing. And then, mm -hmm. of course, it was funny. They turned, the sun turned on me. <laughs> and they they basically rang me up and said they want to do another interview. Right. And it was like, well, what do you want to talk about? We want to talk about your pedal falling off and how embarrassing <laughs> it was and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, but but it's still, it's all good stuff. I mean, yeah. no, no publicity is bad publicity. Absolutely, but, yeah. But it also put, it helped put the show on the map because 85's mm -hmm. Kellogg's, you know, mm -hmm. went through the roof. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. They bought him more. American freestyles, oh more American gosh, races. Yeah. I mean, it was a yeah. no, it's it an incredible show. But I think, from from my perspective, it was. Um you know, a, again, a really good learning curve. But to be honest, I'm not sure I could have done it. If I hadn't have done that BMX beat thing where, you know, you're thrown in that situation where you just got to make it up. Yeah. You know, that that was really good training because Kellogg's was the same. It was, no, mm -hmm. you know, it weren't scripted or anything, but it was mm -hmm. a bit easier because yeah. you, you kind of knew what was coming. You guys really gelled together, I think. Say, so watching now, I still think it holds its time, you know. Yeah, I love and, it. It's and, very yeah, popular yeah. on Stunt Biker channel. Yeah, and we'll talk about your, your, your YouTube channel and stuff moving, moving forward. Um... So obviously, you know, the, the second Kellogg's 85, as we said, a lot more uh, the American guys came out. You made friends and still friends with a lot of these guys, Mike Miranda, sure. Eddie King. Yeah. Uh, talk about your relationship with some of these guys. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been good. I mean, there was a bit of a gap, to be honest. I mean, got to know the American riders a lot better, obviously, because, you know, 85, um, there was a lot more of them on the show. So, you know, people like um, Eddie King, obviously, my other brother from another mother. Mm -hmm. Um 
and then, then there was a big gap. So we got to, you know, got to know, um, you know, Greg Hill. Tim was very, was good friends with Tim, uh, with Greg, Greg Hill at the Hill, time. Yeah. I think Tim went over and stayed with uh, with Greg for a while as well. Um, but yeah, got to know everybody. Harry Leary, you know, all your favourites, um, you know, Eric Roop and those kind of guys. Actually, I got to meet Eric in the early days anyway when we, you know, because he came over, uh, you know, because of the Mongoose stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there was a big gap. I mean, actually, my whole BMX uh, memories end in 1985, really. <laughs> or 86. Let's say 86. Mm. My memories end at the World Championships in 86. Right. The day that will go down in infamy. Um, let, let, hit on that. Did now, Again, we're not going to get too into it. Yeah, it's, I mean, last time it it's was messy. Last time you, you started that little fire, it caused a lot of uh, yeah, Facebook I, drama. I, let's just say I'm, I underestimated the, yeah. uh, the reaction to that, that post. And really, it wasn't necessarily... The post wasn't about what happened at the Wells. It was because Stunter Parker put some videos up from the Wells. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, you know, I made a comment about that the UK pros didn't ride. And then that set off a firestorm, and it, and it was funny. We were talking about it earlier. I disappeared. Yeah, to, yeah. You, you happily disappeared yeah, and let us all argue and debate for three but, days. But I um. promise, I didn't do that on purpose. I, I actually, I went to, I think I went to LA or somewhere. And um, you know, three days later, I come back and I look at these posts, and there's like a firestorm going on. Yeah. And uh, and it apparently it provoked Tim March to get off Facebook. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it, it was a it was a messy time. Um, you know, for those that don't know, the British riders didn't ride the UK World Championships at Slough in 1986, apart from um, Charlie Reynolds and uh, Gary Lewin. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was a lot of lot of politics behind it, but the PRA, as we was at the time, uh, Professional Riders Association, had made a decision that um, Gary Llewellyn shouldn't ride. And I think there's, there's a couple of ways to sum it up, but I think the PRA only did that. They had good reason to do it. I won't go into all of that because there's differing opinions and whatever, but, and there's also stuff I can't really mention on a podcast, to be honest. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's, it was a tricky situation. We thought that the UK BMX had told us they would support the PRA and the decisions we made and blah, blah, blah. Not necessarily this one, clearly not this one. Right. But, so, of course, we made the decision thinking we had the support of UK BMX. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't. And then, so basically, they, didn't, they obviously didn't support the PRA's decision. And, and then, as a group, and not one rider, I don't think, you know, Charlie, I understand. I mean, you know, as Charlie said on the post, you know, he's, he's there, he's at the Worlds, he wants to ride. Yeah. Um, I can't understand that, but I, but I was proud, and I know Tim is still to this day, that, you know, we were proud that we stuck together, right? The whole pro riders thing, we stuck together, and, okay, we didn't ride. Do I think it was a good idea? I understand, if I look back on it now, I understand why we did it. We stood up for ourselves. Mm-hmm. But also, the key thing was, we thought we had a future. Right. <laughs> this is the thing. We, you know, we really thought we had a future as professional BMX riders, mm-hmm. and we wanted to do the right thing. We wanted to sort of show our, you know, it's like a baby growing up. You know, as, you get, as the baby gets older, he gets stronger, and, you know, then he, then he can walk, then he can run. We, we were like that with the PRA. So, yeah, it was... It was uh, it was a really a bad day for us um and and you know on loads of levels you know didn't get to race greg hill and all the pros and you know that was obviously um not good not a good situation so but yeah so when i did the facebook post <laughs> i i just couldn't believe how um you know how, how it set off this firestorm i mean it was unbelievable yeah what's your relationship like now with uh big tim march you know you guys uh, have been on and off over the years gosh. obviously you battled and i you know i just 
previously did a podcast with Kelvin Beatty, and we talked a little bit about. Sure. Um, I talked a little bit about guys I've raced with. You, know, you can still be friends with them, but you always get. There's always been a bit of tension. Then sure. you're going to be friends and cool, but they're never going to be your best friends. Yep. Obviously, you and Tim have, have on and off over the years, and I've had plenty of on and offs with with people I've raced with. You know, so. Um, how's the relationship now? And it's definitely um, been up and down over the years. Yeah. But kind of for us watching, it's been fun. Yeah, you know, I the, mean, it's, it's, it's uh, best way to describe it is right now, my relationship with Tim is in, in a down. I don't, it's definitely you're not. deleted like myself. Yes, I've yeah. been deleted yeah. off his Facebook. <laughs> all the, I, he's back on Facebook, apparently. Um, but I don't know. With, with Tim, it's like, oh man, we've got so much history. It's like since. And it's, re- it's, it's really, it, one of the things that irks me a little bit is when I think about me and Tim, um, we started off so well, mm-hmm. you know, but I think it goes back a long way because even the beginnings on, on Mongoose, you know, I think he's maybe admitted it himself once or twice. He, he was pissed. I was getting everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? He was, he was pissed off. I'd get the bikes first. I'd get the whatever. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the, the, our relationship over the years, it's, it, it's, some of it's ridiculous. Some <laughs> of it's, some of it, he's got reason to be pissed at me. I did steal his girlfriend. I mean, okay, <laughs> let's get it out there. I did steal his girlfriend. <laughs> so he's, you know, so he's, he's right to be pissed about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's strange things like, you know, it is really mad me because apparently i stole his jt race pants oh i saw that one as well and i'm yeah, like yeah, yeah. what the hell are we still talking about that shit for like 40 years later 30 years later whatever <laughs> so yeah i mean some sometimes he's had he's had good reason to be pissed at me but i think most of the time it's um you know silly things it's like we i mean at one time we were getting lawyers involved because we were arguing on facebook I mean, it's like, what? Right. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, I mean, literally, we were going to get, well, we were getting lawyers involved. And um, admittedly, I, I, you know, I said some things and, you know, he said some things. I don't know, but, but he annoys me sometimes because some of the, there's no, half of it, there's no reason to be pissed right. off about it. It's like, look, it's, it's not boring. Let's put it that way. Yeah, if nice. me and him are going at it, it's great, whatever. Yeah. But he takes it so seriously. Right. Um, you know, I'll, I'll have, we'll have a back and forth and then I'll forget about it. Yeah. And then so I'll be reminded about it because Tim's furious or he's, you know. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think so overall, you know, we've had a very patchy relationship, and and I think right now is is definitely a low point. That's that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Still, when back in the racing days, you guys, like I said, had some great battles, and for all of us as young yeah. kids watching you guys yeah. as the two guys, and I think you both did. You know, obviously, I did a lot for. Uh, no, it's true. Yeah, and, you yeah, know, I can yeah. I can honestly say, BMX for me, you know, yeah. well, let's say from eighty eighty four and eighty five was all about Tim. You know, it was yeah. like you know. I wanted to be and the him. media, the magazines, you know. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, get... people loved it. It's, yeah. you know, it's all good. You know, those pictures of us in the funny shorts doing an arm wrestle and right, yeah. stuff like that. Unfortunately, it was next to a picture of me and Catherine. Right. Um, but, but hey, you know, it's, so it's funny from that perspective. But yeah, it's difficult. And and, I, and the other thing is that I remember when he did your your pod, podcast last year or whenever it was. A couple of years ago now, yeah. Um, you know, he says he says stuff that drives me mad. It's like he literally said on your podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, Andy Ruffle, he, he wasn't fast. He, he didn't really figure in BMX or something, like, yeah, at that time. Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about, you twat? I beat you to death in 1985. Right. Um, so, you know, it, it's stuff like that. And I think he does that to annoy me. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. but, but I don't mind it, but it, but it does get you sometimes. But, but I also don't understand, you know, to be honest with you, the reason he just got off Facebook and all that stuff. 
I, I just think it's complete nonsense. I don't know what, what he's talking about. You know, I mean, he's blaming Mike Zuckerberg because he went off Facebook. <laughs> he got off Facebook because he doesn't like Mike Zuckerberg. I'm like, what are you doing? Right. Anyway, so apparently he's back. But what I do want to say is that I think his project to relaunch the MRD stuff, mm -hmm. you know, that I really support. You know, anything I can do to help him with that one, I, I definitely will because that's a brand that deserves to sort of come back in a limited edition or yeah. you know, whatever he's doing. Sorry. Yeah. But yeah, Tim, me and Tim has always been up and down. It's it's just been incredible. But it hasn't been boring, you know, so... Maybe some one day at the right time, the right person, uh, you and Tim sit down. Uh, yes. Barbara I, Walters. I think you could be the man for the job, mate. I think you're the man for the job. And I, I would do it. I'm not sure Tim would do it, but I, I'd do it. Um, but yeah, and I think, you know, just by talking about it now, I'm sort of remembering a few things, which I'm, I'm not sure I want to mention. But I think, you know, ultimately, you know, I, I love Tim, I think. Mm -hmm. Or I did last year. I'm not sure I do this year. Right, I can't, yeah. but, you know, whatever. But All right, well, let's yeah. move on from Mr. March. I think, Andy, with Mobos and then obviously onto Dance Star and, you know, so many things you've done since BMX, it's probably worth doing that in another podcast. Sure, yeah. Keep, I mean, keep, keep this one a bit BMX, Yeah, yeah I mean, we'll stick to BMX a bit on this one. I mean, there's so much to talk about with those shows. Yeah, well, so. well, I think a lot of people will be interested in, in the business yeah, side sure. as well, but we'll keep sure. this one uh, a bit more bmx -er. Um You start a YouTube channel. Uh, obviously, with all your after BMX, you got a lot into media, YouTube, and all that stuff. You got so many different channels, so you started uh, Stunter Biker. So, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, the, the idea behind Stunter Biker is uh, I've got to give Craig Schofield credit for the name. Actually, he, he used to use that word way back in 1983 <laughs> or four when we was in you know, Tenerife training. Uh, but yeah, so the, the idea behind it really is to create a video. I guess you could call it a video museum or, or a video hall of fame. Um, so that's the idea behind it. There's actually four or five hundred videos up there now. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got American racing, we've got UK racing, we've got all the freestyle stuff, we've got the Kellogg's, um, we've got BMX Beat. We've actually got all six or seven series of mm -hmm. BMX Beat um, with some amazing riders in it like Matt Hoffman and you mm -hmm. know Dennis McCoy and all those guys. Um, so yeah, so th that's the idea behind it. I'm a little bit surprised, I have to be honest, because the channel's been up there a while, but I haven't paid attention to it. But the last couple of months, you know, we've we get sent videos all the time, so we've packaged them up and put them on the channel. And we've gone from like what it was doing like forty thousand views a month, and we're up to half a million views a month now. Oh, that's good. Um, so I'm actually pleasantly surprised by that. So yeah, there seems to be an appetite for all that old school stuff. Um, so we're going to keep doing it. I've got another hundred videos to put up. So I think it's good to especially and we're going to move into that a little bit archive and especially usa aba usa bmx have done a great job of documenting uh, bmx you know from the start for sure. here in the u.s yeah. you know yeah uh, england not so much you know and, well hopefully stunt yeah. a bike will, will well kind of definitely and i think it's that. up to our obviously no one's going to do it unless we do it so sure. obviously you worked out that and started yeah. putting the videos and um you know there's been a lot of talk about um uh, hall of fame potentially in england and there's been a lot of chitter chatter among a lot of us as regards to you know how can we do it and, and the few times when i've been people have come to me and talked about it i says happy to be involved and and, and help and contribute uh, but it has to be done right and i think, I think so yeah. i mean you, i mean if you look at the u.s um bmx hall of fame which is fabulous i mean cash cash matthews and you know the team up there do an amazing job of that thing and we need something like that in mm -hmm. in the uk i mean you know whether it's the european or the, or the, or the british hall of fame but we, as you say it needs to be done properly and it needs to be i mean i personally would like it like the u.s model where mm -hmm. you know you have a dinner and mm -hmm. you know people get together part of the, the attraction of the hall of fame here 
which you know I started going to in 2010, um, is is the fact that everybody talks, everybody gets together. You know, you have your dinner, they do the inductions, um, and that's a big part of it. So I'd like to see something like that in in the UK. It's a it's a big question. You know, would people pay? you know, 60 quid or, or 100 quid that it might need to be able to finance it. You know, it's mm-hmm. still, you know, it's fairly expensive to do it properly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we definitely need one. I, you know, I looked into it a little while ago and, you know, there's, there's big questions like, well, where would we do it? Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, that's, I'm not that familiar with what goes on in the UK in terms of events, but, you know, should the, you know, I, I, I remember talking to somebody a little while ago, should the, uh, I don't know what they call it in Britain, the British Cycling whoever they are, the Federation, is it? British Cycling, yeah. British Cycling. You know, should they be involved? But apparently they hate BMX. But, I mean, I don't know. But, I mean, you know, you get various Well, comments. I talked a little bit, to, you know, and I would have said exactly the same a couple of years ago, and it'll listen to this. Dylan Clayton works for British Cycling. And when, oh, when okay. we started talking a bit about the Hall of Fame again, you know, last month on hey, Facebook. Hey, Dylan. Um, we got a little chitter chat, and, and, and there has been a, a big turnaround as Dylan, you know, Dylan private messaged me and we were chatting about it. And I said, well, Dylan, I don't think the British Cycling people would be better we did it without them. You know, they just they don't have the passion we do. They don't have the history. But Dylan said there is a, a new set of people in now, right? Uh, and right. he feels there's potential where, where, where they might want to um, get involved. So there is a yeah. I, I think Dylan is actually going to talk to a few people over there. If they do, great. If they don't, then I think there's enough people with passion and um, oh, without that, just, yeah, just, just it's just putting it like I said, packaging it and doing it right. Yeah, you know? it's going to need a little bit of money put into it really to do it properly. But I think it's there's there's a need for it. There's enough passionate people there. You know, we could put a board together of of fairly, you know, enthusiastic people. So yeah. I think, you know, with the right people involved. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are big questions about where and is it, should it be done at MK? Should it be done at, you know, a, a, a BMX? I mean, I, pres- I don't even know if there's BMX races still in the UK. Yeah, no, they actually still race. Yeah, yeah. Is there still it's BMX races? the Olympics races? as well. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh it's in the Olympics. That's right. So, yeah, so I, I think there's a lot of questions and I think if, if enough people are enthusiastic about it, I think, you know, certainly between us and people... You know, maybe even Tim might want to get involved. I don't know. But yeah. I think, you know, with, with Craig Schofield, for instance, he would be great to have on the team as well because, you know, mm-hmm. he obviously knows the history. So I think, yeah, we, we need to do it. You know, let's let's talk about it and, and see what we can do. As far as I know, I mean, I don't. I think there's like the, you know, the stuff that Garrett does. does um, Garrett does like fabulous. a bit of, Garrett's yeah. avoid, and again, another guy that's documented uh, more European history, which obviously England falls into that. But Garrett, yeah. you know, his website, University of BMX, is, is I mean, so detailed and you know it's really archived uh, BMX from the start in Europe uh, but I still think there's room for us to do to do a British one as well yeah. and whether you know get it in line no with doubt. that and that we, we should yeah. make it yeah. happen we yeah. should make it needs to be done absolutely and I say there's enough people Scott Dick and, and, and I mean just from the the Facebook threads we'll, we'll post and even some of the guys came out the you know uh, some of the real pioneers guys you talked about um, that started the BMX. I'm sure people like that would really be... Um, That'd be amazing. But, you know, the, the, the real driver for all of this is that there is no platform that I've, I've seen that recognises what went on with BMX in the early days or, you know, even the 90s. I mean, 90s was a blank decade for me, so I've, I've, I've got no idea what went on. I mean, I know what, what mm-hmm. you've achieved, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the 90s is... is I, I couldn't even comment on the 90s, for instance. Yeah. You know, so much happened. So many people did amazing things in the 90s as well. Yeah. So it's like, that should be included in the whole thing. But, you know, the story of, you know, it really needs a documentary as well about those early days because that would be wild. Mm-hmm. Hint, hint, that might might be happening soon. But I think, you know, that, that kind of thing needs to be done. Every sport mostly, like skateboarding, the history of skateboarding mm-hmm. has, has had documentaries, movies, to, whatever. Yeah, the podcasts and um, stuff. And, and that kind of thing. But if you look at BMX, 
the early days, there's some great documentaries, Stingray and, mm-hmm. and all, the, all that stuff. But, you know, from a British perspective, Not much. where is it? There isn't no. anything. No. You know, I, I want to see what how Tim March built MRD and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. how, how he, he got the bus. I mean, one of the amazing things about MRD when they had that big bus mm-hmm. that was, you know, like a double-decker bus going around with MRD in it. So, yeah, so it, it needs it. I mean, I'm certainly willing to get involved but it's one of those things it, it does need a team to do it it's, it's you know it's hard to drive it when you're trying to you know earn a living at the same time yeah no absolutely but i'd like to say i think it's uh, things to look forward to in the future um andy i'd like to say i know you you're a busy man and stuff but you still you say you come out to san diego every year for the the hall of fame weekend and a lot of the times over the years you've been here the world cup's been here obviously bmx racing's changed now it's different um you know we talk about it a little bit here and there what's your views uh, the pieces you look in and, and seeing that obviously you do watch the Olympics yeah. and you was at the Worlds in Birmingham right you did the TV right yes that was uh, an, uh, an experience um, I don't yeah that was uh, difficult I did the B- I did some commentary for the BBC <laughs> on the World Championship and I'll be honest with you I mean you called me the night before you're like hey man are you here I need I need some help I'm like I didn't <laughs> yeah, come yeah I was actually going to ask you to do it yeah, I'm like, yeah take my place. So, yeah, that was funny because, I mean, I have to be honest, I, don't, I know very little about current BMX, but, you know, the BBC asked me, so I said, yeah, and I was hopeless. I was on my way. To, I was at the airport checking in to go there, and I just happened to look at my passport as I'm in checkout line, and then I realized my passport was about to expire, like, within a week, and I'm like, wow, I'm not going right. to get back in the U.S., so I, right, right. I, I I got my bags and went back home. Well, I'm so blaming you for it. my yeah. terrible performance on the BBC. Well, I never got to see it, so... It was difficult yeah. because I thought I knew the riders, but, you know, obviously didn't, and, you know... But I, I got through it. But I think, you know, with, with the U.S. Hall of Fame, it, it was, it's been an amazing experience because, like, I came to the first one. first one I went to. You met was, Mar- You partied with Maris, didn't you, right? A couple uh, times? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, well, well, with you, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I love Maris. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is – it's great because, I mean, imagine this. I was thinking about this um, the other day because I, I wear Harry Geary's <coughs> – t-shirt a lot you know it's, it's got it's got leary on the back of my t-shirt right. and people ask me about it yeah you know they're like what is, is, is that bmx or supercross i'm like no it's, it's harry, the harry leary anyway but it's, it's like amazing moments happen at these kind of events because you meet all the people that you know are, are your heroes or that you you know used to race with all those years ago but you know i had, I had a, like a couple of years ago all of a sudden i'm i'm in a garage in a garage <laughs> with harry leary right and talking about his bike, mm-hmm. and he's, he's, I'm literally learning about BMX from Harry Leary right. 30 years later. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, you know, we were talking about, you know, like Harry starts and what the geometry of the bike is. And we, we did that. We forgot about everyone else. We, we was there for like an hour in, right. his, in his garage. Um, I don't know how we ended up in a garage, but oh, we went on a ride out or something. So, yeah, so amazing things like that. And, and you know, and obviously I've reconnected with Eddie, um, who's my hero, and, you know, he's, it's like you know to be able to talk to these guys and and, and renew all those friendships from yeah. years ago. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing. We need you know that's why we need to do the same thing in England. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because everybody wants to meet Tim March. <laughs> Everyone wants to want to know what happened at the uh, backseat of the double decker bus. <laughs> that's right. You know, <laughs> stories from. Uh, yeah, the, the I mean, double... but but you know, overall it needs to be done. But but you know, the the American experience with that Hall of Fame, you know, would be amazing to transfer it to, to the UK. So we need to do it yeah absolutely um closing then because i say i think we can come back and and, and do sure. more there's so much more yeah. we can deep dive into with all the the tv stuff and that just just my last question is like you you know tv you know media um why 
BMX ever get to that point, you know, where it get real outside our circle? Is there chances with that? Obviously, we're always hoping the Olympics was going to be. Is there something yeah. you think that might, you know... I don't um, know. I mean, Doing I, wrong? Is it just too of a niche? Um, it's strange. I mean, I think if, if, if modern BMX racing scares the hell out of me, I mean, what must it do to, you know, youngsters coming up and parents, you know, not wanting to go on a track because... You know, it, it's you know looks dangerous. I don't know, but I think you know I'm a little bit shocked. I have to be honest. I mean, I, I mentioned to you when we were talking earlier that you know at the Hall of Fame weekend they had two races going on. They had the normal BMX race, the national, the national, yeah. and then the Supercross. Yeah, yeah. And, and and the contrast was, I, I was shocked because you'd think that as the pinnacle, of, or I, I guess that's what it is, the pinnacle of BMX, the Supercross. You know, two thousand people at the national. The the Supercross track is twenty five yards from the normal track right mm -hmm. and then the bmx the national ends and then the supercross starts and in that 10 minutes or that half an hour everybody went home yeah and yeah. there was only 20 people and I'm, I'm not even kidding there must have been 20 maybe 40 people watching the super supercross yeah i was shocked by that yeah, you know because yeah. I, I like i love watching the racing i mean i've got so mm. much respect for those guys that i race now yeah um i you know Concrete and tarmac berms, okay. I find it weird, but I, I guess I understand it. I guess it's you know it's a development. Um, so I think to answer your question, to put it on TV, it should be strong enough now with the Supercross. Big, big jumps, fast, big start hills. You know, lots of you know some crashes. The danger elements there. Yeah. So I don't know to be honest. Um, the only thing that I, I the only thing I'm qualified to talk about really is the fa is 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 measuring how. The superstars of BMX now mm -hmm. um, are sort of projected as opposed to how it was in our day. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure why it's different. I don't know. It's like you knew in the old days of BMX that there were superstars. Yeah. Stu Thompson, yeah. Greg Hill, Eddie King, um, all those guys. Mm -hmm. You know, and for some reason they were projected or they became the sport, you know, part of the sport. Whereas today's... And, and it's not the riders' fault. It's like, but I'd, I'd like to investigate why they're not projected like, you know, I don't know. It, it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a strange, I think, but that's, that's really the only thing I'm qualified to talk about. I don't feel the same, you know, status of the top riders today as, as maybe in the old days. Yeah, I don't know. No. Um, but apart from the fact that it scares the shit out of me looking at those tracks and the way they were. <laughs> and also the skills. I mean, it's well known. I've never been out to do a wheelie. Right. Um, you can do a million backups, but not a wheelie. I can do a million backups, but no wheelies. But, you know, the things that, that I, I admire is the way they, you know... Um, Manual. The way they do those manuals and, yeah, and the yeah. way the sports develop, the way the bikes are developed and yeah. all the rest of it. I mean, I'm in awe of that. I love it. It's brilliant. Um, but, yeah, in terms of putting it on TV, maybe change the tracks. Maybe there is a format that would work on, on TV, but... I, it's, it's a tricky one. It yeah. should work already. You mm -hmm. know, Supercross now should be a TV spectacle. Yeah. But um, I don't know. It'd be, it'd be tricky. Yeah, cool stuff. All right, Andy. Let's. Uh, hey, what a pleasure. Let's. Uh, if anybody wants to get hold of you, check out your channels. Stuntbiker. Yes, Stuntbiker.com. You just set up an Instagram as well. I know you're a bit late, That's but right. welcome to the... <laughs> bit late to the game. W welcome. Stuntbiker has an Instagram uh, page as well. 
Um, so yeah, and but but I'm in, I'm really uh, happy to be here today, mate. It's been took us a while to get it together, yeah, but it's been, fun. it's been real fun. Uh, and I think you know when we do part two, let's get some questions in from people. Yeah, no, definitely. We've actually got like a, a lot from when we put it up two years ago, so yes. I can actually find that post. And uh, sorry about that, up. folks. But we'll uh, definitely. I think yeah, it'd be worth maybe doing one just questions Q and A yeah. from uh, Facebook questions because, like I say, we got a lot before, and uh, uh, we'll probably get quite a few. Comments right. on and, this. and final word, congratulations, mate, on everything you're doing for the sport of BMX. Oh, thank you, um, thank you. Just do my little bit, you know. I don't feel yeah. any anything special. Just a little. Everybody yeah. does a little bit. That's all you need to do, I think. You know, and all right. uh, we can all contribute. Andy Ruffo, you're the man. I appreciate it. No problem. All right. Time See you next one. See you next one. See ya.